We love you, O Lord, our strength, because you, O Lord, are our rock and our fortress, whom we run to for safety, for shelter, for shade. You are our deliverer. You alone are our God, our rock, our shield, the horn of our salvation, our strongholds. We call upon you, O Lord, you who are worthy to be praised, you alone who are worthy to be lived for, and you save us from our enemies. Father, we've gathered here today for you, for no other person, for no other name, God, we have gathered here for you. And we want to honor you in this place. We want to honor your presence, Holy Spirit. We bless you. We bless your presence, your name, your authority in this place. For you alone are the highest authority, the greatest power, that with one word, the universe was created. So God Almighty, speak life in this place today. Create new life. Bring healing from years of pain. Speak forth restoration. Call forth new life in this place. Father, I need you. God, I ask that you would release in greater measure your Spirit's anointing upon my life now so that you, Holy Spirit, would be the teacher, the preacher, the leader, and our guide today. Father, let me simply be your instrument and your tool that would point people back to Jesus. And let all that happens during this time, all that is spoken, all that is heard, all that is thought of, be pleasing and honorable in your sights. Let it bring you glory. So, Father, here I am. Use me for your glory. Hide me behind the cross and let the cross and Christ who rose from the cross be alone exalted and praised and honored and adored. So at this time, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, the thoughts that run through my mind, be pleasing and praiseworthy for the name of Jesus. And it is in his precious name we pray. Amen. You know, when the heart changes, everything changes. You know, a couple of months ago, Enoch, my two-year-old son, was uh, sick, and he had a pretty bad cough. And so I took him to the hospital, and the doctor recommended uh, getting x-rays done so that she could see his lungs and to see the condition of it. And so I was like, x-rays for my two-year-old son? Uh, I don't think so, right? Um, so we went to the x-ray room, and uh, I had to stand next to him because the two workers could not keep my son still in front of the x-ray machine, and he did not want to be in that room. 
Uh, and so, you know, it was so sterile, so cold, um, you know, so many weird machines in that place. And so he was told to stand still in front of the machine with his arms lifted up. And so again, I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> um, and he was crying and screaming. And he was like, I don't want to be here. Take me home. Let's go home, Daddy. Get me out of here. And of course, no amount of reasoning would uh, register with a two-year-old saying, oh, you need to, you know, just do this quick and it'll be over, right? None of that works. But I happened to have bought him a Happy Meal from McDonald's for lunch uh, because he also, because he was sick, he didn't eat for the past couple of days as well. But I didn't give him the Happy Meal toy uh, when I gave him the lunch because I try not to give him uh, toys, you know, like all the time, just whenever necessary, right? So we don't want to spoil him. So I intentionally didn't give him the toy. And, but as he was screaming, wanting to get out of here, I realized I had the toy in my pocket. And so I took it out, and by God's sovereignty as well, it was one of his favorite toys, a small car. And so, uh, you know, as he's screaming there, um, I put the toy on top of the machine that he had to stand in front of. And so I was like, wow, look, Enoch, if you stand here, you get this car. And so his eyes lit up. It's like, wow. And then he went to the machine, and he put his hands up, and he started playing with the toy. And they got a lot of good x-ray shots through it. And while we were leaving the room, he suddenly asks me, hey, when can we go back into the x-ray room? Right? And I was like, oh, I thought you didn't like it. Well, I like it now, you know? And as I put him in the car and as we were driving home, he was also like, when can we go back for x-rays again? And uh, it was fascinating for me to see the change that happened in his heart attitude all because of a small car. Uh, you see, when the heart changes, everything changes. Our attitude changes. How we perceive things change. When our hearts change, ultimately is, it is a sign of a life change as well. And when our hearts are changed, especially by the gospel, our lives become different because of it. Our lives cannot stay the same when we trust in Jesus' name. And so the question that we want to explore today is, did your heart experience a true change by the power of the gospel? Has your heart been changed by the cross? And so we also want to explore then, if so, what did that look like? What does it look like to have a heart that has truly been changed. And that's what we want to explore today because in our portion of Peter's letter today, he specifically highlights two marks of a changed heart. Two things that will result when a heart has really been gripped and transformed by the power of the gospel. And so we want to do that heart check today as well. As we explore this passage, we want to examine, has my heart really changed by the power of the gospel by these two tests that Peter highlights for us today? So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 22 and following as we explore the two marks of a changed heart. And we want to see, has our hearts also been changed in this way? Follow along with me in your outlines as well. And so there are a couple of things that we will explore. And first of all, if your heart has been changed by the gospel, then there is a love for God's people. That's the first mark of a changed heart. There is a love for God's people. So everyone repeat, there is a love for God's people. All right, so 
One of the marks of a heart that has been transformed through faith in Christ is suddenly we grow a love for God's people. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So there's a purity that happens to our soul when we come to faith in Christ. It is the power of the Word of God that washes us. Sanctify them or wash them with your truth, Jesus says. Your Word is truth. So there is a washing, purification effect that the Word of God has when it is combined with faith. And again, verse 22 of 1 Peter 1. And then he says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So from this heart change that has been purified by the word, love one another earnestly. And he is speaking to the church about how to relate to one another. So brothers and sisters in Christ, love one another earnestly, deeply from your heart. So there are changes that happens to our lives when we put our faith in Christ. Our lives will change. Our desires change. Our hearts change. And what we love will change. The things that we love, the things that we are passionate about, the things that we desire, those desires and loves will go through a purification process as well. And one mark of a changed heart is a love for God's people. Now, you would think that Peter would have said, hey, a true mark of a changed heart by the gospel is a love for God. Right? That would make more sense, wouldn't it? That if your heart has been changed by the gospel, you'll love God. But why does he say you will love one another deeply? Because, as 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 also tells us, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Why? Because whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And Jesus also tells us in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, by the way you disciples love one another. So love for the family of God, for brothers and sisters in Christ, for fellow Christians, a love for the church is a sign of a changed heart. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do you love the church? Because I know a lot of people will say, I love God, but I hate the church. Right? It's full of hypocrites. All they want is my money. I don't need the church. And so we criticize her. We hurt her. We love to point out her imperfections. And I believe that God's heart hurts because people do not love his bride. You see, Christ does not love us because we are perfect. He loves us because we are his. We belong to him. You see, I don't love Enoch, my son, because he is good today. And then suddenly tomorrow, if he's bad, I stop loving him. No, I love him because he is mine. He's my son. And God loves you because you are his. You belong to him. Not because of the good that you do or the bad that you don't do. He loves you because you are his. Amen? 
That is good news. That is love is not conditional based on our performance. That is good news for us. And that other brother or sister in Christ is his child as well. That believer that you get annoyed by. Think of that person right now. I know you're, you can all think of somebody right now. I know it. You can feel it, okay? That person that gets under your skin, that person that annoys you, that person that you get angry at, that person, too, is someone that Jesus loves and died for. That person also is a bride of Jesus. You see, we don't say to people, I love your face, but your body's got to go. You're not going to be very happy about that compliments, right? Or you don't say to parents, too, it's like, I love spending time with you guys, but I hate your kids. Your kids are so annoying, right? You're not going to have a very good friendship with those people for very long because you offend them, you offend me. You don't like them, you don't like me. That's how it goes. You don't like my kids? You got a problem with Enoch? You got a problem with me, Okay? If you love me, then you love Enoch. And God says the same thing. You love me, you love the church I died for. Amen? But that is hard, isn't it? It shows how far our hearts truly are from being as God intends it to be. You see, love for the church will be a mark of a changed heart. That despite the imperfections and flaws, you understand the beauty of the church. That Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. And Jesus is returning again for the church. That is why he is going to return. So does it break your heart when and sadden your hearts when you see the church trip and fall in front of the world to see? Or do you condemn and criticize it along with the rest of the world? Remember that it does not take spiritual maturity to point out sins in other believers. The secular newspapers make a lot of money from doing that. It is not a mark of spiritual maturity to find sin. It is a mark of spiritual maturity to be able to see sin and extend grace. That is a sign of the Spirit working in your heart. Not just to say, hey, you're a sinner. He sinned. He sinned against me. Therefore, I could hold a grudge and I could be bitter because he hurt me. No, that's the way of the world. That's the way of the flesh. The way of the Spirit is you turn the other cheek. The way of the Spirit is you pray for your enemies. You extend love to them. But that's impossible, you might say. Yes, it is impossible. And that is why we need faith in God who does the impossible. He raises the dead. He transforms sinners into saints. That is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you pray more or gossip more when you find the sins in others? You know, the evangelical church in Korea has taken a lot of hits these days. 
But do you join in the criticism or do you mourn the loss of integrity? You see, how we respond to the church, to fellow believers, is a reflection of the condition of our hearts before God. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. Love within the community of believers is a sign of a heart that has been changed by the gospel. We practice loving in this family of faith called the local church. We practice loving and living out the gospel. We practice extending grace when we are hurt because so often we are more hurt by Christians, aren't we, than non-believers? That has been the case far too often. But could it be that that is also part of the way that God desires us to learn to extend grace in the church first before we go out into the world? So we practice loving and living out the gospel in community, in small groups, without a doubt life together in smaller groups where you know others, where you really know other people, and other people really know you, that you go through hard times together, you celebrate victories, and you go through ups and downs together, because life is meant to be lived together, not in isolation. Right, so as we experience this, we grow in ways that we would have never be, been able to grow by ourselves. And so... As you all know, we're taking sign-ups for our fall semester small groups. And the reason why we encourage you to sign up for small groups isn't so that we have a big small groups program. The purpose of it is because we know that you need connection with others in community to truly experience life as God meant it to be. To know and be known, to love and to be loved, to serve and to be served is how the church blesses each other. And so that's one way to truly grow and love uh, the church of Jesus Christ. Another way of loving the church is by serving the church. So we love the church as we extend grace, as we do life together in community, share our struggles. But another way that a heart that has been changed, that we love the people of God, that we love the church, is by serving the church. Because when you truly love someone, it is a desire to serve them. That the people that I love, I love buying them things. I love serving them. I love meeting their needs. It is a natural overflow of true love. Service is. And so another way that we love the church is by serving the local church. To use what God has given to you, time, talents, treasures, investing these resources to bless and build up the body of Christ here. And right now, uh, we need more people to build up and bless the body of Christ in OEM, but especially through our children's ministries and our youth ministries. We want to be a ministry that invests into the younger children and the youth, discipling them from a young age that they might know Christ from a young age. And so we've included for you an insert today uh, that I want to love the church by serving the children or the youth. And again, so if you enjoy worshiping uh, for your Sunday services here in this Sabingo uh, campus in the afternoon service, I want to encourage you 
to seriously consider uh, serving the youth or the children's ministry in our Dogok morning service. Uh, to be a blessing to the body of Christ in that way. Discipling them and pointing them to the Lord. And so you could fill this out and give it to the ushers as you exit today. Um, you see, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. So the heart of Jesus is for children. And it is for us to find ways to draw people to Jesus. He says, do not hinder the children from coming to me. Do not let there be obstacles from having children coming to know Jesus. And so we want to create environments and ministries to pave the way for these children to know the Lord. Amen? And so I would encourage you to prayerfully consider the heart of God for his church in this capacity. And another way that we love the church is by learning to love the least of these. How we treat others, especially those who can do nothing for us in return. Those who are lower in the social ladder than us, the outcast, the vulnerable, how you treat them is also a reflection of your hearts. Even how we treat wait waiters and waitresses. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves. That uh, when I see people talk down to waiters or waitresses, um, that gets under my skin. You know, I was having dinner one time with um, several years ago in a different city, different country, so don't start thinking, oh, I think he's talking about our staff. No, it's, I'm not. Um, I was having dinner with uh, several church uh, leaders and lay leaders, um, elders, their spouses, all these things at a restaurant. And as we were having this um, dinner, we had a very large group. And uh, one, of the, one of the elders, he asked the waitress for water. And it was a crowded restaurant. And so she didn't bring it for a very long time. And so he started getting impatient. And so he said, hey! So I was like, you know, again, it's a church leader here, right? I'm like watching this whole thing transpire. He's like, hey, I asked for water. And so uh, she, she rushes, thinking, oh, I'm so sorry. And then uh, when she comes over, she was still late again. And then she comes over with water, you know, she comes over again and says, oh, did you need something? He goes, what do you think? So I was like, oh. I was like, uh, gosh, I had to fight my flesh from responding the way that his flesh was responding to her. You know, um, you see, how you treat others, and especially how you treat others who you view as somehow lesser than you in this social ladder that the world has transposed onto us, that reveals how transformed your heart has been. You see, if we treat them as lesser people, then there has been less impact of the gospel in our hearts. Because in God's kingdom, the greatest are those who serve. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus tells his disciples, learn to be a servant of all. 
Not learn to be a servant of the leaders. Not learn to be a servant of kings. Not learn to be a servant of people who could get you higher on the social ladders of life. No, he says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, my kingdom is a kingdom of service. Learn to be a servant of all. Because who is Jesus? He was our servant king. Amen? That is our king. What a great king we have in Jesus. No other king would choose the road of a servant. No one is like Jesus. No one is as humble as Jesus. No one is as great as Jesus. No one is as worthy of the title of king as Jesus. That's our king. Amen? In God's kingdom, in God's hearts, the vulnerable, those devalued in the world, are deeply valuable to God. Those who are devalued, disrespected, disregarded, because they don't have the money, they don't have the degree, they don't have the title, those the world looks down on, the Lord stoops down upon to lift up. That's our king. That's our savior. And what a savior we have in Jesus. And that is why he says, whatever you did for the least of these, the least of these, whatever you do, when you serve the least of these, when you serve children that the world's like, don't waste your time with them, when you serve the poor when the world says, they're going to waste your money, when you serve the outcast and the orphan, when you serve the least of these, Jesus says, you are serving me because I dwell with them. I live with them. They're my people. They're my community. This is my kingdom. Amen. So especially in the church, especially in the community of saints, especially in the kingdom of God, we do not treat people differently because of age, title, money, position, clothing, labels. We are brothers and sisters, all saved by grace, all sinners, not worthy of one single dime, not one single speck of respect. We are all saved by grace. We are loved by grace. We are chosen and adopted by grace. Amen? That's how the kingdom of God functions. Cups of cold water given, they matter to Jesus. Giving Jesus Sundays to serve his people, that matters to Jesus. He will not forget in fact, he will reward because you are serving those that matter so much to him. And this heart change happens through the word of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to 25. Since you have been born again, given new life in Christ, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through what? Through the living and abiding word of God. That is how we become born again. Through the word of God, as we trust in it, 
Verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Our hearts are changed by God's word, and that word is the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came upon this planet, lived a perfect life, born of Virgin Mary, died on the cross. On the third day, he rose again into fullness of life. We are changed by that gospel message. And the gospel, to be shared, to be preached, to be taught, to be lived out, is of greatest worth. Because God's word and his gospel are eternal. Everything else will fade away. God's word will remain forever. And so that is the sign of a heart that has been changed. There is a love for God's people. Because the gospel has impacted and changed our value system. So that we do not have the same value system of the world. We cherish the broken, the vulnerable. We love even the imperfect, frail, sinful church of Jesus Christ. So that is one sign of a heart that has been changed. There's a love for God's word. And the second sign that our hearts have been changed, that Peter talks of here today, is that there is a longing for God's word. So everyone repeat, there is a longing for God's word. And I think that's important that he uses this word in particular. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. So put away all malice, all deceits, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long, so everyone say long, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. For in, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And you know, I was wondering, he's like, why did he use the word long? Why didn't he say love? Right? right? That we have a love for God's people and we have a love for God. I think he has a longing because he knows that sometimes we do not love the word of God. But we want to. And that longing, that want to, is also grace that our desires change, that what we want to love changes because many times we don't love what we should love. Amen? But the longing is there. How I wish that we could love the word more. How we wish we could dwell in the word more. But that want to is grace as well. Verse 1. So he says, so put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So again, because love should be the mark of God's people. You see, those who have been impacted by God's love through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, those who have been changed by the gospel will treat people differently from the way the world treats them. You see, the world will love based on performance, degrees. If you're good enough, smart enough, rich enough, pretty enough, then we like you. But that's not how God works. You see, I've met some, many people, they don't have a seminary degree, but their life 
is far more of a minister than people who have PhDs in theology. It's not about degrees of education. It's about the degree to which we have intimacy and love for Jesus. That is far more important. You see, people who have been impacted by the gospel know that no one is good enough, no one is smart enough, and no one can do enough by ourselves. We are all messed up. We are all broken. We are all nothing apart from God's grace. Amen? And so that's why I love even giving people not just chances and second chances. I love giving people gospel chances because I know that God can do something in people that the world says are nothing. And as we understand this, we are able to extend grace to others. For as for those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who have been given much grace, extend much grace. Amen? And this is the good news that we learn about through the word. Verse 2 again of 1 Peter 2.2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for pure milk. We need pure, untainted truth of God's word. The pure gospel, the pure truth, not compromised by what the world says we should value, think, and trust, and believe in. Because more and more we are living in an age where people will make the word of God say whatever they want it to say. And if you've seen on social media these past days, uh, there was a certain minister, and I will not say the name, who uh, is making the rounds because of certain things that that person said in front of a church. And uh, she said, when we obey God, we're, we're not doing it for God, really. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Yourself. Live for yourself. Make yourself happy. Make yourself comfortable. Live for yourself and your own dream. That's the message that is going to permeate even more as we get closer to the end. And we need to be a people of God who long for the pure gospel. That it's not about ourselves. It's not for our own pleasure that we live. It is not for our own dreams and ambitions. We do it all for the glory of God because in Him is the fullness of joy. And so we do it all for Him. All for His glory. He must increase, we must decrease. He must become greater, we must become less. That's the path to true joy. Amen? Because we are not above the Bible. God's word is the standard, not our feelings, not popular opinions. God's word alone is the standard by which we live. There is only one truth and it is grounded in the word of God. I was so heartbroken these past few days as well as I saw in the news that every single state university in California, I think there's over 30 in California, they have officially kicked out InterVarsity Fellowship, IVF, from being an official organization from any state university in California. Why? Because they say for IVF, 
to be a leader of our organization, we will only vote for people who are believers, who believe in the word of God. Such discrimination that to lead a Christian group, you have to be a Christian. That's so not fair. And there's another agenda, obviously, that you are aware of. It is because as believers, they also believe that homosexuality is a sin. And so because of that, every single IVF is no longer an official organization across the campuses in California. This is a sign of things to come, people of God. That it's just a matter of time before this illogical mentality reaches every country including our own. And so you need to have conviction now to not compromise that this is what I believe because this is what God has said. Whether it's popular or not, whether it gets me in jail or not, we do not compromise the standard which is the word of God. Amen? Whether it costs you your job or not, whether it costs you your freedom or not, whether it costs you jail time or not, you as men and women of God need to be convicted that your authority by which you live and by which you believe is the word of God. And if we perish, we perish. Because there is only one truth. You see, to truly understand the Bible, you need to stand under the authority of the Bible. Because if you're going to say, I am the authority and I can read into the Bible whatever I wanted to say, you don't understand the Bible. To truly understand the Bible, you must put yourself under the authority of the Bible. Whether we like what it says or not, that's not the issue. Whether it's popular or not, that's not the issue. God's word is truth. It is the standard. It is wisdom. It is love. It is power. It is the highest authority. And unfortunately, this view of God's word will only get harder to find. So he's saying like newborn infants long for this pure nourishing word because only the pure nourishing word of truth can nourish your soul towards maturity in Christ. You long for it because you know you need it. Hearing the words of the Father connects us to the Father like nothing else. I want to show you a very touching video that I came across uh, this past week about a seven-month-old uh, baby who was deaf and is given in, um, a hearing aid for the first time and is able to hear this baby's parents' voices for the first time. So I want to show you this video. Can we cue the video? Voting, Lachlan. First, first hearing aid with Sam.
that a beautiful video? Such a touching video. Uh, I wanted to show you this video clip because it shows the power and the importance of a child to hear the voice of the Father. That it's not simply communication that we need to be able to hear His voice. There is a connection that happens in the depth of our hearts that brings about not just communication, but our identity from hearing His voice. To be able to hear Him say that you are my beloved, that you are mine, that I love you, that I died for you. It is necessity for us to be able to hear the voice of God. It connects us to Him, brings comfort and joy in a way that nothing else can. You heard about the two journalists who were beheaded in the past weeks uh, by the terrorist group ISIS. And I was reading some interviews of uh, this one interview that was done by one of the moms of this journalist who died. And she was saying how her son was kidnapped for the past two years. Over two years, he was in terrorist captivity. And he was able to call his mom twice within the past two years. And she was saying how the, the moment he called and the moment she could hear his voice over the phone, that voice, the sound of her son's voice, suddenly gave new hope, new strength, and new joy. Even though she had an idea that he was alive, hearing the voice transformed her heart. There is a power in hearing the voice of our beloved. And there is a power that the Word of God will have that our hearts can only be transformed by when we encounter the Word of our Father. Amen. So he has, and Peter knows, he's saying, you need this connection. You need to hear the voice of our Father in heaven. You need the pure and unadulterated word of God. And you need to know this for yourself. Because only when you experience it for yourself, you taste the goodness of that community and intimacy with God. Verse 3, it says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so we want you to learn to surround your life and saturate your life with Scripture. Long for it. And if you need help, there is help. The living life devotional of getting broadly and deeply engaged with the Word of God. If that is hard for you as well, learn to saturate your life with the audio Bible. If you don't have the MP3 or CDs, download it or listen to it online. ESVonline.org or another website is faithcomesbyhearing.com. So ESVonline.org or faithcomesbyhearing.com, you can hear it online, all the passages of Scripture. So whether you commute 
to and from work, from school, whether you're in your car or cleaning at home, learn to have seasons of your life where you are saturated and surrounded by the Word of God. Feed your soul, strengthen your faith, and deepen your hunger for the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Your heart can only be changed as we hear the Word of God. Amen? See, we need the gospel in order for our hearts to truly change. You know, I shared this fascinating story uh, like two or three years ago at the AIM Good Friday service because I just found out about this right before the AIM service. A couple of decades ago, uh, Korea actually tried to crack down on the red light districts of this nation. They actually shut down quite a number of red light districts and put a lot of pimps and traffickers in jail. But this is the really humorous thing that I found out about this story. That the pimps and the traffickers, while they're in jail, they actually complained to the Korean government, saying, you need to train us in other job skills because this is all we know how to do. We just trafficked people and sold people into sexual slavery our whole life, and that's all we know how to do. So you, and it's your responsibility to train us in new job skills. That's pretty funny, I thought. What, you know what's even more funny? The Korean government listened. They're like, oh, okay, sorry about that. And so while these guys are in jail, they train them with new job skills. You know what they train them how to do? They train them how to cut hair, and they train them how to give massages. And if you know anything about the barber systems in this country, if you know anything about the massage parlor systems in the country, you know that they don't cut hair and give massages. So these men thank the Korean government for these new job skills and promise them our lives are changed now, thank you, as we, they leave jail. They got out of jail and they opened up barbershops, they opened up massage parlors, they opened up karaoke bars, but all as covers for what really happens, the slavery of thousands of women and girls still to this day. They learned new skills. They spent time in jail. But that did not give them a new heart. You see, what this showed me is that incarceration will not change the human heart. New education will not change the human heart. The only thing that can change a human heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Transformation does not happen through education. Transformation does not happen through a new vocation. Transformation only happens with an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate test of a changed heart. Did you have an encounter with Jesus Christ? Has your heart changed? Do you love God's people? Do you long for God's word? If not, we need to turn to the Lord and ask God to change your hearts again. Because when the heart changes, everything changes. Amen? Let's pray. Can we come before the Lord right now in prayer, in honesty, in humility, and ask the Lord to change our hearts again today?
If there are people that you are bitter against, if there are people that you have embittered, can we repent of those sins today? When you hear in the news of pastors and churches in this country and the sins are being plastered on the headlines, if your heart does not break and if you do not pray in repentance on behalf of that church, then we need to repent today. So let's pray now. And let's confess that our hearts are far from where they need to be.